I would like to welcome one and all. I'm having a great time and hope everyone listening is also. Remember to add your comments by emailing me on my website, blowing shit up at wfuradio at gmail.com. Before I start my interview this week, I just want to add a comment or two in relation to my last podcast. It seems that the narcissist Nicky Ciano has gone back on his statement that he was the first to have a crossover. But his new line of bullshit is that he was the first to use a crossover in ways that motivated the crowd into a dancing frenzy, as well as his blending skills, matching songs beat to beat, creating an endless stream of uninterrupted music until the wee hours of the morning. Were those blending skills till the wee hours of the morning before he passed out or after he passed out? I don't know. His new claim to bullshit was that he worked at the Loft and the Pines. Really, Nikki? I never in all the years I played music, which was before you ever heard of you working the Pines or the Loft. I'm surprised you haven't said you worked at Hollywood. Now, either you're delusional or whomever is writing your bio is an asshole. It looks like it's never going to end with your bullshit. Let's not forget this little statement. All the clubs and DJs that came after the gallery, I assume, are simply the offspring of the marriage made in Soho. You are nuts. Finally, let me quote another bullshit story. The one element, the one element, so few realized at the core of these fundamental parties was love. We shared it with our friends who became members and they shared it with their guests who told a new group of friends we never had a promotional person because I love music, the message, and everyone heard the call. So the love had nothing to do with the acid you gave them without their knowledge. Really. Very good. Nikki, you're never going to fucking change. Let's get back to my podcast. My guest this week is Bacho Manguel, the DJ at the world-famous Plato's Retreat. In honor of my friend Bacho, I'm going to play the music which he picked out, which represents the best of Plato's Retreat. Fair warning, buckle up for this one. Not the music, but the podcast. <music>
The first song, The Sound of Candy Staten, singing Victim, Going Up in Smoke, is by the ex-Temptation lead singer, the one and only Eddie Kendricks. Finally, the last song is from the legendary band out of California, War, singing their hit Galaxy. This interview is going to be with my friend, Bacho Manguel. Take it away, Bach. Bacho, let me ask you a question. Was this the place that Tommy Savarese and Bobby Goodadara took me to, which was once called the Continental Baths? Which was a gay establishment. Am I correct or incorrect? Yes, you are correct. And then you guys took it over and made it a fucking bordello. Is that correct or incorrect? <laughs> I didn't know what I didn't know what I was getting into. Remember, I didn't know about the single life, the women on women, the blowjobs and the club. You know, I mean, I was in the booth. I, like they say, I play a long record and I hang out. <laughs> But I didn't know what was going on because everybody that was hired to do construction at the Continental Bath were all from my neighborhood where I grew up. I got everybody, the electrician, the you know, contractors. Let me ask you something. You go there the first night. Explain but, that shit to me because that must have been crazy. Well, the crazy thing is that, you know, in that Saturday Night Fever, where John Travolta takes the train from Brooklyn into Manhattan, that's how I felt. You know, um, I went a few months before to see the place. And I met Frankie Knuckles and I met the owners, my other two bosses, and Frank Panisse told me that they were interested in buying this place. And they wound up buying it. Everything was left because they didn't have any speakers at the Continentals on the floor. They had and the ceiling. Bose, they had Bose 901s. Right. I don't know if Alex Rosner did it. Too many people probably touched that system. Okay. So what I did, what I did, I went in to see the place and they only showed me the dance floor tone. Okay. I that, didn't see any, I uh, didn't see anything else. Okay. And I, I want whoa, 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 bro. I want to know your first night. You get into oh. the booth. What were you thinking when you saw what was going on? That's what well, I want to know. Remember, the paint was still wet. It was black. <laughs> so people were sitting with black paint on them, and they were screwing and giving blowjobs <laughs> on the corner. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, you have people like Mark Stevens and Jill Monroe, Al Goldstein. Uh, the screw people. Uh, I didn't know all these people. I didn't know anything about that. I was uh, not an innocent kid from Revelation. I got caught off guard. I didn't know that places like this existed. <laughs> but did you laugh your ass off? I would have laughed my ass off. <laughs> well, you know, when you get in the booth, you, you focus. But you how know? did you focus with guys getting blowjobs all over the place? Girls because, getting fucked all over the place. I mean, how do you focus when you got to see this shit? Well, how do I have to focus when the door was going into the mat room? Yeah. <laughs> and people were taking shortcuts to go. I had to fucking put another foot and watch people go. And at that time, you know, I had a, 
a good friend uh, that I met in, in Plato's, um, and he turned out to be my best friend. His name was Albie, and um, he brought sound engineers in, yeah, you know, to do me the solid so I could sound good. And the people that they brought in were part of the Hells Angels. <laughs> you know? So it, that's how it started now. That's the real deal. We had one, two, three. We had three rooms on the side, one with a fireplace, and then there was pillows on all of them, and you got like 15 people screwing. And then, you know, you got another 10 screwing next door. And then you got the people watching. Get these guys watching, and you know, with these ladies, and these ladies are walking around with these dildos. And I'm saying to myself, we had a line around the corner. This is crazy because it was $50 at the beginning. $50 was a lot of money uh, shit, in, yeah. in 1977. There was a jacuzzi. I went in there. Oh, yeah. God, I would have never gone in that dirty Well, I, you know, I, I did a Halloween party there. The first Halloween party, I was Big Bird. I was yellow. <laughs> when I jumped, I was on acid, and I jumped in the pool, <laughs> and I turned purple. <laughs> in the chlorine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, and then you walk still more. There's another room, but this is only the side. And then you got the steam room and, and sits down, yep. but oh, they're fucking in the steam. <laughs> but let me let me hold on. I don't want to interrupt you, but you could not get into Plato's without going to girl. I mean, a guy couldn't get in there alone, correct? I mean, unless you're yeah. a celebrity, you had to walk in there with a girl. I mean, well, I, yeah. We had the newscasters come in, yeah. people like that, and, and you know, and they were getting drunk, and they wound up. My bosses got them girls, and they were there once a month. I know, yeah. but I'm talking about the regular customer. Yeah. Not me, because I got in there because of you. I got in there, I didn't need to bring any girls in there. But a regular guy walking down the block, he had to walk in there with a girl. So it would cost him $100 to get in. 50 for him and 50 for the girl. Is that correct? And 50 for if the girl was an escort. Uh, it was more money because you had to pay for the girl to go in to participate because there's girls that just walk in. And my boss was stopping that, you know, because that was... What swinging is about is oh, okay. So girls couldn't get in there without escorts, right? A girl couldn't right. just come in there. No, I I used to let my friends in. I there. mean, yeah, yeah, but that's diff that's a different story. I'm talking about the regular the regular guy, you know, that wants to walk in there. Unless you're a celebrity, you could not get in right. there. Right. It was the same crowd as studio, and you know, <laughs> and studio just opened. They came from there from their party to our party. Which our party lasted sometimes to the next day, to noon in the <laughs> afternoon. I mean, I'm playing records. Now I'm playing records almost fifteen hours. <laughs> but let me ask you something. These guys, <laughs> these guys complain that they can't even play two hours now, and here I am playing fourteen hours a night. But let me ask you something. <laughs> I'm gonna be. I want to ask you a question. Did anybody give a fuck about the music? They were all getting laid. I mean, this is crazy. 
I mean, you know, did they it, dance? It, 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 yes, I had to dance for. Yeah, but would they dance it with clothes on or without clothes on? In the beginning of the time, they're feeling the place. You know, when you go into a club, you feel it. Uh-huh. And then they're walking around like that stupid movie in the commercial on Midnight Blue and that they have a, a giant pool, uh-huh. a buffet. It was bring your own booze. So there was not any liquor from us, for them, because we weren't allowed to sell it. Until the first night we got busted, you know, when we opened and we closed for like a week and a half. The following two Fridays, we opened on a Friday night and uh, I was there and I got paid, you know, because there's another, if you go into the Continental Beds or Plato's Retreat, there's fucking a hundred rooms in there. And yeah. <laughs> no, you can get lost in them. I got Right, it's amazing. That's what happened to Bobby Goodadaro. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bobby Goodadaro knew exactly what room he was going to because all we heard was moans and groans. That's all we heard coming out of that room. And I told Tommy Savarese when I was there, I'm getting the fuck out of here. I ain't t- it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, in the beginning it was crazy. But like anything else, you know, you have to focus on, on what you're doing. You know, Revelation was a big thing for me in Brooklyn, and so was uh, the, the Contiki in Manhattan. Oh, I remember, it, con- it, I remember Contiki. You worked the Contiki. Yeah, yeah, and I played there because we were hanging out from the Lower East Side, and that's how I got my job in Revelation. It was going back from Manhattan to Brooklyn, back to Brooklyn to... Manhattan, and I didn't. I never turned my face again. Turned my back to go back to Brooklyn. No, once you, you know what, and and I, because I worked, I started working in Brooklyn and Queens. Once you work in Manhattan, you don't want to go back. Yeah. I mean, no. I every went, night you yeah. had a crowd. Yeah, I went back uh, after Hollywood to work to open up Elephus for three months because I was just waiting for the Copa to open up and I needed uh, you know, a job for the week and I had other jobs around the city and in Jersey. But the weekend job, I worked at Elephiz, but I didn't want to go to Queens. But it was only for three months because I had to wait for Copa to open. And then when the Copa opened up, I told the guys at uh, Elephiz, but I know yeah. what you're saying, man. Once you go to Manhattan, you don't want to look back and go back. No, to because, you know, it's a different world. It's yeah. totally different, bro. The music is different. The people are different. Everything is different. And, you know, to think that, like, if you work, let's say, in a Brooklyn club, yeah, you'll get some people there that go to Manhattan, but basically those are neighborhood kids. And the music they listen to are different than what you listen to in Manhattan. Totally different. You can get away with stuff in Manhattan that you cannot play in club in Brooklyn. Especially when you work three different things. You know, I had Monday night. Uh, ladies mud wrestling. I had the S and M night. I had uh, singles coming in for one night, and you know they had their own girls and everything. And these people is a nonprofit organization, and they all went to jail. <laughs> we all got ratted out okay. because you know, you know, because we had a manager, and the manager. 
gave the wrong books. He gave the books that nobody wanted to see. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, you know, stupidity is on their part. And then even bigger stupidity, Tony, to make you laugh, they went on a talk game show. And, you know, people watch it. So they got caught out there. What are they, stupid? I don't know. What are they, getting stupid? <laughs> yeah, well, they gave them their different identity and everything, and then they go in and use their names. All right, let me ask you something. What was the mud wrestling like? I got to know, bud. Tell me. Okay, they came in, they built their own arena in the middle of the dance floor, and they were fighting. These girls were, I think, from Connecticut and Jersey, you know, and they used to... Like regular wrestling, you know, it was phony, you know. But with mud. So you're slipping yeah. and sliding all over the place. Right. There was mud. And the guys had to clean that all up after the wrestling was done. But they had camera and lights out, Goldstein's People, Screw Magazine. Uh, who what was the other magazine that, that was out at that time? Playboy, you Hefner and them. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. I, I remember when you were doing this. I mean, mud was a big deal. See, I'm not like other DJs. I did not start it. I seen it, and they asked me, do you want to do it? And you said, of course. Hey, listen, I wasn't traveling at that time. And listen, you need, you need to make money, and it was something new. I would have done it too, man. Why not? Yeah, it's a party. Yeah, you know? You, I mean, you know, you know, you got your 500 to 1,000 people, you know, dancing and screaming, and then... By one o'clock, they all got towels on. Even the girls from the mud wrestling got involved. Because <laughs> it was another part of mud ladies' mud wrestling that people don't know. We did oil wrestling too. Oh Jesus. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and that was that was insane. But these girls were really beautiful. But did so they have clothes on or no clothes on? No clothes. No clothes. No clothes. And I was right there in the boot. And you see me watching the mud wrestling. And I'm playing the records. They went and bought, the following week, they went and bought a shield for the front of the boot because I I, I like it open because, you know, you, you want to hear the sound. Right. That, you know, you, you want to make sure that the sound is, is right. The, right. It's true that I was addicted to drugs, and now I got my ass clean, so. I don't care. You had to be laughing. No, I, used to, I used to bring some people to hang out with me because, you know, it gets crazy. Ladies' mud wrestling is an art, you know, and these girls are really good at you it. You never invited me to the mud wrestling. You and let me Tony, you, were, you, you had your own shit. You had the yeah, cocoa. but you know, but who cares? You could have invited me. I would have taken the night off just to, you know, just to experience one night, just to see what it was like. Because was I crazy. know it was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy because you know I was playing the music that was played all over the city, and you know, yes, I'm known for some of the commercial music, which everybody that's is. What you, everybody uh, is. Well, some people think that commercial, I do what you want. It's not like that, Tony. It's what the people want. You know what? I agree. And you want to something? If anybody says that they don't play commercial music, they're full of shit. You have to play commercial. And and this was in, in what year was Plato's there? 
77. 77 went to like 82, 83? Uh, 84. 84. Yeah. And, but was that the, the first Plato's or the first and second Plato's? That was the first and second Plato's. Okay, we're going to talk about the second Plato's in our next interview. I just want to concentrate on the first one. Now, let me ask you something. I can just imagine the celebrities that were at Plato's. I could just imagine the people who did it not. It was exactly the same people that went to studio. I mean, okay. you had the Rolling Stones go there and all that. I had the whole group. Billy Idol at one time was playing on the Beekman Theater. And so they all came. Well, Billy Idol was a pig because he used to hang out at the Copa. You know, I mean, it was all cocaine. And we added a different touch to it when we started with <laughs> yeah. the two moves. Yeah. <laughs> and Angel Dust, instead of getting me a flower bus, they used to get me a thing of Angel Dust. And I'm saying to myself, Wow, this is over $2,000. And that was a lot of money then. All right, let me ask you something. Did guys like the Stones, and who else came there? Think of some other uh, stuff. It was uh, the Stones, uh, Roger Grimsey, the Sting, um, so the Sammy Davis Jr. Did these, yeah. guys, did these guys participate, or were they just onlookers? Honestly, the night went so... You know, I was busy with the music. That, and, and you know, you I went it. out in the beginning yeah. and I says, you guys want something to drink or anything, you know, to put it this way. I got drugs, you know, and, and I turned them on. Okay, so basically, I mean, you don't know if they did or didn't, but I would think that they probably did. What do you think? Participate in the action. Yeah, especially Ron Woods. I mean, he's sick bastard. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know? people, people go to me, oh, these guys are innocent. Uh, can I tell you something? I'm normal compared to this. And that's hard to do. How about Keith Richards? You think he's fucking normal? Well, he, he was just smoking it. Because at that time, they allowed cigarettes in the club. Right. Remember? Yep. You know, and there was no bottles. Uh, they used to bring their own beer but they used to bring it to the counter and they used to write their names on the bottles. So nobody would take them. They didn't want them with a beer bottle in the club. Uh, you know, now, did they get charged for bringing in liquor? Was there a charge? No. Oh, there wasn't? No. no, there was a charge to get in. Oh, hold on. But let me ask you something. So they got ice and glasses from Plato's for free? Yes. It's part of the, you know. A part of the 50 the, bucks the, that they got. Right, and the buffet and all the drinks. Oh, see, so there was food. Had... There was food there all night. Yeah, all night. You know, good food. I eat it in the beginning because during the night, <laughs> you don't want to fucking eat that but Somebody had jerked off in the, in, in the punch. We saw that. <laughs> so instead of Nikki putting fucking tabs of acid, these guys are coming in the punch. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, you know. The female... Artists that were there. Who could you? Yeah. Who came and who was fucking crazy? Raquel Welch. She was, you know, but she but she didn't participate. But the girls from Dynasty, Linda Evans. She participated. Yo, it was a long <laughs> fucker. Okay, I don't want to. <laughs> but they'll have. Yeah. But what about Jackie? Jackie Smith too. You told me right. Yeah. Jacqueline Smith from yeah. uh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah. She's beautiful. Too. Oh, she's gorgeous. Any other girls from Charlie's Angels or just Jacqueline Smith? No, uh, I think Farrah Fawcett came to the door. 
and she was a little because when you come down those stairs and and, and you 30, look at you. <laughs> and, and then you see this whole playground <laughs> that I used to call. You kept freaking out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, my friends used to come in with their wives, and you know, I mean, and their wives got into it, and they used to say, "Can we come in as your guests?" And I used to say, "Yeah, why not? Fuck it." Larry used to tell me the owner. If you have females that want to participate and come in, let them in. And and your friends' wives participated? Yeah. Well, can oh. I tell you something? It's a temptation. You know, because you see these people. I mean, I had a porno star called Long John Silver, right? And he had 16-inch <laughs> cock. And he used to tie it with, um, with a, 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 a tie. So he could hold it from stop swinging. <laughs> now, remember, I, I I had all those porno stars from years, and I was in a couple of those pornos. You were in a couple I, of porno flicks. Yeah, yeah, because you know they needed music, and I'll go see. You want to make money, and I of course I say yes. And plus, I knew the porno stars: Jamie Gillis, uh, Seika. All these porno stars came in and enjoyed themselves. So, and especially these singers that, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, like a, a Brooke Shields type thing. Those girls are not innocent. Okay, what, what what singers came to Plato's? Well, I had... Um, Besides the I Rolling Stones. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, Grandmaster Flesh. Got came it. in yeah. to hang out and see what was going on because Glenn LaRusso from at that time he was in Polygram, uh, was um, he was friends with these people and all these stars. No, I'm, I'm talking about guys like the Temptations, the Four Tops. Yes, are you? Yes, you're kidding no. me. No, remember Barry Gorey's a nut. Yep. <laughs> You know, and you know the people from Motown. So. I, I know them very well. So the temps did come, the temptations did come. Yeah, they came. They they all come in to go get high. It was a perfect place to get high because they had tables, yep. couches, and you know. And then, so and, and they and a, there was no pressure. And whatever else they wanted to do, they did. You know, I mean, I I didn't stay with all these people. I had to just. Like you and the Copa, you know, you just kept on doing what yeah, you're doing. I, I, you know, I, I you know but people were telling me, is that who it is? I said, yes. And that's Roger Grinsley from the news. And that's uh, Walter Cronkite. And um, all these journalists were very cool, you know, because they didn't write everything down like they did in studio. You know, the studio wanted to know that they had all these celebrities. We didn't care because we invited everyone. I'm now going to take a brief music break. I'm getting back to part two of my interview with Bachir shortly. Let the music play.
more from the Baccio Plato's playlist from Crown Heights Affair, Dream in a Dream. And to cap off this short break, a favorite and appropriate song for the topic we are, we are discussing, Down to Love Town by the Originals. And now, take it away, Botch. The whole Red Sox team came. The whole Yankees team came. You know, when, when the Red Sox were playing the Yankees and, and, and playoffs and things like that, they didn't drive in cars. They were in big buses. And they used to go out and, and have a good time. Okay, so, normal- so when the Red Sox came and the Yankees came, they were in charge. They just came in, right? No, they the ones that wanted to go in and participate, Larry got them girls. You know what I'm saying. Okay, but I I mean, to come into the place, they didn't have to pay the 50 bucks. No, we used to let people that, you know, that were in the music business, we didn't want to bring up things that we didn't let you in. And, you know, I could honestly say that I, I got between 700 to 800 couples at Plato's. Yeah, it was. It held. It held a thousand people. Well, the continent is huge. Yeah, but see, that's what yeah. people understand. If you looked at the continental baths without looking at all the rooms, it wasn't a big place. Not only that, you got pool table people fucking on top of pool tables and getting a pool stick up their ass. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I used to send my friend out what was going on. He goes, "You have to get out to believe it." At the end of the night, I want to go take a shower and relax <laughs> for you. So, you know, I went and took a shower. And, but those girls, all the people that went to play, they, and they were all professionals. They all had money. They came from Westchester, from Long Island. Uh, I mean, people drove. And then we had valet parking. And then we had um, two guys at the door. And then we had the two owners girlfriends working the door so they can't rob each other so you know <laughs> you know you, you know how these people are tony yeah, you know they don't, I mean? they don't trust themselves let alone trust right, anybody right, else right especially their girlfriends you know uh, i mean you know, you know these people are no fucking good you know i mean some of these people you know i yeah, i but, mean I, okay. I got married to the daughter you know okay I mean, but you know what? The guys that said they owned the place, but there were other owners that were behind the scenes, which we don't want to yes. get into. But yeah. it was like everybody who said they owned the club, they really didn't own them. There were guys that really owned them. They kept right. their mouth shut. Right. And they stayed at, all they wanted was their money. They right. And they money. came, did pickups. We never let them downstairs, whoever picks it up, because it's nobody's business. But this is behind the scenes. Yeah, and, but, uh, and those guys didn't want to know. To tell you the truth, I know those guys don't want to know. As long as they got their money, that's all they cared about. They own all 10th Avenue. You know, hotels, motels. And, you know, I, I used to, like, if I'm going to play Friday night, and I was already there for a couple of hours, then I go home, eat, take a cab. It cost me $10 at the time. Take a cab all the way from 73rd Street to Brooklyn to Union Street. Why don't you just stay in Manhattan, man? That's what I did. But, you know, remember, I was still under my grandmother's thing. I was young still. You know, I mean, they didn't want me to get in trouble. It was bad enough that I was fucked up every day. You know, I mean, you know, but it's part of the rush. 
of Manhattan. You can't compare Brooklyn to Manhattan nope. at all. No, no, no. At all. Even from gay clubs to the straight clubs, because they also had their hands on the SNM clubs in Manhattan, and they um, were all into that whole scene. Like, remember that place on 12th Avenue that had all theirs and queens, and, and it was run by, you know, the people that... Not, we, not Mineshaft. And the, the I played at I played at the that place shift. sucked, man. I, that place smells, man. What the and well, I, it was a Monday night. I had nothing to do. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I would never. You know, I walked in there with again Bobby Goodadaro. I would walk with him at Mineshaft and Anvil, and I had to get the fuck out. I mean, it was sleazy. Let me ask you: Ron Jeremy ever go to uh, Plato's opening night and every night? He was and there. he's and he. he Sucked his own dick. <laughs> what do you I mean? mean? <laughs> but see, what you, do you mean you, he sucked his own? Uh, you gotta be kidding me! Yo, the guy used to suck his own dick. That, that's serious, man. <laughs> and then you had Holmes, John wait, wait, Holmes. Hold on, hold on. You saw him doing this? Yeah, right in the middle of the dance floor. How big was this son of a bitch? I don't know. Maybe I. I don't know. But now he's in jail for life. So. Okay. So, Roger, who else was there? Uh, the Jamie Gillis, uh, John Holmes, all these big Lincoln, Tiffany Clark. You had everybody in the sex business coming to. Uh... Oh yeah, if you you know, and then there was people trying to, like any other club, they wanted a club like Plato. And, you know, they wanted me to open them. But, you know, I can't, I didn't want to do what Francis did, go against the family and... And get fucked up. Right. And then not have a job. Yeah. You know, he had something good going and, you know... He had to be a big shot. He thought well, he was bigger than the business and he wasn't bigger than the business. Yeah, and you know, that's how I got a manager. You know, Marilyn Greenfisher, oh, same as Bobby Goodadaro and Tom Savries. Great. And, and they, she only lasted like two weeks with me because when I told Frankie, yeah, Frankie he, had said a he had a shit fit, didn't he? Not at me because I was trying to make money. But he goes, I don't want nobody taking money from you because we don't do it. You know, and these guys were good. There was a lot of people. We owned the cock ring. We owned anything that had to do sex was owned by the people I worked for. That's the truth. Now, did you, you guys, see? did you do S&M at, uh, at Plato's? Yeah. yeah, I started that too. Oh, my so, God. Well, the first night, they had like a five-inch nail. They put the guy on a, in a chair crucifix. And they nailed his balls down. And blood you was got, coming all you, over the place. You gotta be kidding me. No, I saw that. Yo, that was crazy. People walking around with dog chains, guys fucking crawling, and girls being the mistresses. These guys like to get peed on. And you go to the bathroom, the guy's laying in the fucking urinal. You know what I mean? Yeah, this was crazy. Oh. God. I had no choice but to go to the bathroom and I peed on him too. So, you know. 
I did a lot of crazy things. Yeah, but, I wonder know, why, Botch. I wonder why. You know, I mean, there was another part of the world that I never discovered, and that was Manhattan. So I got the thrill of playing for people that like to dance, like to fucking dance. And if you watch American Swing, the guy says in there, Bacha knew when to bring it down. It's not like today's music. They don't reach a peak. They don't come down and people get annoyed. So, you know, when you're playing music, you have to play a George Benson or like a Rolling Stone record. Tony, like you said, we um, played rock and roll. Some of the R&B was never that fast. It was pretty, you know. It was cool. Well, you had to see the the thing that you had at at Plato's. You had a completely different clientele than a regular club. Right. So you had to have different types of music. Yes, which, I had a yes, but every club should be that way. Every club I ever worked, I played different types of music. Let them learn, and you right. did the same thing because. You didn't have an all-gay blackling like Mancuso did. or You didn't have like a, a limelight thing or a Hollywood thing. You had a totally different group of people every night and different likes in terms of music. And you had to play those different types of music. Yes. A lot of them, you know, they like the underground music and the high energy, but they also like some of the stuff that like, the classics like Timmy Thomas, uh, The Bottle, and things we play, Earth, Wind, and Fire, they all liked it. I made everybody happy. That's why the boss and the boss said, yo, he, I get never complaints from him, except sometimes when it's too loud because, you know, you get into it and sometimes they get crazy. I didn't have monitors to tell me what type of meters to tell me the sound out there. You know, and you were totally enclosed in glass. Well, yeah, I broke the glass. Yeah, but when, I, I mean, I had the same problem at Hollywood and we broke the glass. I had the same problem at the Copa and I broke the glass. Because when you're enclosed in glass, you cannot hear in volume. No, it's a different, it's two different. It sounds different when you don't have that glass in front of you and your ears right. can hear it. And you know right. what's too loud and what's not too loud. And you know how many times I had to get on the dance floor to hear what's you know, going on? You know, I did the same thing in Hollywood. What was it? Like a little dance floor. It had the dance floor, but then they had like a, a ramp that you can dance on. And I had to go there just to listen to the music because it was so fucking loud or so fucking loud. I couldn't understand it. They finally took yeah. that shit down. Yeah, no, I, I was telling Larry, I says, yo, Larry, you want me to play better and uh, with the volume of the music, it's, you know, you you have to give me a break and get this shit rid of this shit. You know, I'm not like these guys. I like feeling the people and, you know, and, and enjoying the crowd. And I love to dance. And that's what got me into the music. You know, I mean, once you like to dance and you like music, any type of music, you could dance to. Even a slow record. Yep. You know, I mean, people, you know, don't understand that, you know, everybody thinks that their club started it and their club ah, did it and everybody did this and who played it oh, first. God. I give a shit about all that. It says, you know, I have the records. Sometimes they don't work for me. 
sometimes it didn't work for me either. Nothing works for everybody every time. Sometimes it takes you longer to, to program it. There were records I played at Hollywood I thought were great, and they thought that sucked. I mean, I would still try to play it, but after a while, you got to give up on it. If the crowd doesn't like it, they didn't yeah. like it. You know, I had people like Glenn that used to come down. Then, you know, you, you, you get your Peter Browns that want to check it out, you know. It was not an experimental. It was just new to me, you know. I mean, new. But I kept focusing, this is a dance floor. So you have to make people dance. You have a sound system, so you work it. A lot of people said that, you know, I never played a tape, Tony. It wasn't my thing to play tapes for that hire another DJ to start off the night. You'd rather do it yourself because you're getting into that groove, and especially when you have a good sound system. It's not like these sound systems today that, you know, it, you know it's just noise, and they think it's great, and... It's very hard for me to do anything digital. It's a complete different sound for me. Oh, well, you know what? I, I totally agree. Digital yeah. sounds totally different than, than records. I like the records because I like the simplicity of it. I like that it scratches, that there's a scratch. Yeah, me too. I like that it fucking skips now and then. I, I mean, you know what? I had You're you. You know what? I don't want it to be perfect. Because music isn't perfect, and no. people enjoy fuck ups. You know what? They don't. They kind of like expect something to happen. It's just like you know when you're playing and you turn off the wrong pot and you hear people singing. Now you didn't turn it off on purpose. You turned the wrong fucking pot and you heard, and you oh, holy picked, shit, they loved up, it. Or picked up the wrong needle. Yeah, yeah. And, and you heard them sing it together. And you, holy shit, can't believe it. Of course, yeah. I mean, I every, mean, everybody's gone through this. And I respect you guys for that because I've learned a lot. I you, mean, but I'm yeah. going to tell you something, honestly, and I don't give a fuck what anybody tells you. I mean, you're going to hear from me. All of those great things that we do on turntables, they were not done on purpose. Like the first time I heard Girl Need a Change of Mind doubled up that Richie did it. He turned the fucking pots up and it, and they were on fucking beat. And you know when it goes dan 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 He did that, but he turned the wrong fucking pot up. That's why it happened. He didn't plan on that shit happening. Everybody said, oh, he planned it. Bullshit. I was right there when he did it. He turned up the wrong fucking pot. And, he, yeah. and it worked. And he kept doing it. And I did it. And, you know, I, I would turn off music sometimes. When I turn off the wrong pot and I heard people singing and I would do it yes. again. These are accidents that we do that ends up to our benefits. Nobody plans it. And if somebody says they plan it, I say they're full of shit. I mean, I, and I even had trouble with some of the owners, a couple. The only problem I never had was with Corky uh, from Brooklyn, me, Revelation. But you like Corky and Corky liked you. Yeah, well, we, you know, it, it was personality thing that we liked about each other because we wanted to create. And there's where Joe Sal brought me in and also left. These guys haven't been through, Tony, what me, you, Joe Sal, a resident DJ. They never did that. And they never will. 
No, those because, days are gone. Those days are gone. Those days yeah, are fucking gone. Yeah. Resident DJs like Steven had residency. Oh. Michael had residency. Bobby had residency. Tom had residency. And and they had, and you had a great run. And, you know, and you're still doing it. Oh, you know, yeah, you, you, you like to do it. Yeah. And, you know. You never not like to play music. I mean, it, it's something that's in your fucking blood. And you know what? I always kid around you that, you know, you're a vinyl junkie. But you know, when you play music, it's like vinyl being shot into your veins. You just can't lose it. I mean, you just, it, it just takes over your whole fucking life. I mean, yes. and it's not yeah. about the records. It's about the music. Because you can get along without having 20 records. You got 5 million other ones. This is how I feel. I have enough music that I can last the rest of my life listening to music and never listen to it more than once. Do I like new stuff? Yeah, it's the music. I understand where you're coming from, but I like to hear the new sound. I, I didn't say I didn't like to hear it. I said if I don't get it, I'm not going to worry about it because I got so much I, else to do. Like I know. There's different ways of doing it too, Tony, because people don't introduce a record the right way. You're just not going to throw it on, like Nikki said, you know. I mean, I used to keep notes because I wanted to do that mix again and write notes so you could know what you did. Well, that's smart. That's that's very smart because I I might have done that. I'm, I, I don't remember. So you put a little shit on, even on a 45 cover. No, I know? didn't put on a 45 cover. I think I had a piece of paper. When I did a change that I thought was fucking dynamic, I used to write. Well, I used to, you know, I used to say, "Holy shit, this record goes with this record." Right. And, and I always try to remember. After a while, I remembered and have to write it down. But I, I think at times, you know, when you make that great change, I'm not talking about a good change. I'm talking about a great change. And there's not that many of them. If anybody tells you there's a lot, of them, they're full of shit. You know, there's that change that just, holy shit, look at this. You you did it the right way. Tony, and you said the right word, change. It's not a mix. No, it's a change. I want to mix my, uh, mix this. <laughs> mix, well, yeah. mix, mix this for fucking uh, mixing uh, batter. That's what you mix batter. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and I'm still being successful, you know, and even though I'm hurt right now. I'm going to go do what I have to do. They told me that they'll wait for me in the summer because right now Europe is not happening. Club owners don't have the money to pay. Well, this is what's going on. And that's why I didn't travel this year because, first of all, I was hurt. Yep. And, sec and second of all, I had to make the decision. And I made the decision today that we're going to do it twice a month. You know, I mean, and, and for me to but do that. But that's next year. That's not this year. Uh, that's coming this year. I thought you said in the <laughs> summer, bitch. They they wanted me in the summer. Okay, but, but the summer's over. They, and and I can't work with my back the way okay, it so is. Okay, so when are you gonna start working then? In October. Okay, that's not bad. That's good. But I, I there's other clubs that just opened in Manhattan. Okay. That I didn't know anything about them, and they told me that they have part of it, so they want to do the classic club music. All vinyl. Right. They, they, they want to see the art. In the art, you'll get more of a feedback from the people than, you know, I can't ever say that I 
dislike digital or I respect it, but it's not for me. Oh, and, that's it okay. if it, and if it changed Nikki's life, that's something else. But Nikki wasn't around when we were around. Listen. Because they, they like cutting the record. Uh, listen to me. You know that, and plus that I'm a minority. I'm a Puerto Rican, and you know I I broke the Bay Ridge gap. There were no clubs with any Puerto Ricans in Bay Ridge when I started. I thought you were Dominican. <laughs> same thing. <laughs> you no, know, nigga, they, you know. Yeah, you know, let me tell you something. You know that ain't the same thing. So don't even fucking lie. You know. You know. Everybody since two thousand one. 2001 was a for assholes, you know. It's like pastel. Uh, those clubs are not music orientated. They're even jealous that I put a show on when I play. But that's my job is to perform. That's part of being a creative DJ because I'm still into the. The music, like last night I was listening, to, it was 2.30 in the morning. I was rocking it, you know, not mixing and things like but listening to some of the stuff, you know, like I told you, like Shaft in Africa. These people never really played those records. It was, uh, uh, bro, they don't even know those fucking records. What are you talking uh, about? You know, I mean, they tell me, oh, that record sucks. I said, oh, well, didn't suck for my crowd. My crowd liked that. Pursuit of the Pimpmobile, uh, Isaac Hayes, Shaft, Billy Preston. People don't understand that. I hear so many mixes of so many records that they lost the feeling of the record. You see, and, and you know what? I'm a purist. I like the original fucking songs, the three-minute songs. I'm happy with that. Other people aren't. I'm happy with it. I don't care. I right. don't care that I that my songs are only three and a half minutes long, but they're three and a half minutes of greatness, not nineteen fucking minutes of bullshit. But see, that's how I test systems and I test records. I go play them before I start to play, and I want to make sure that it sounds good uh, if I could play it. But see, sometimes like I love Sugar Pie Guy and by the Joneses. But something it's cut so low that uh, I, I, I agree. I know what huh? you're going to tell me. I know what you're going to tell me. The pressings now are much better than they were before. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. But you want to know something? I'll play. I have clean copies of Sugar Pie Guy, and I'll play it. I don't need it. But I can understand why you would want to play a remix version because the quality is much better. I get. I understand yeah. that. Yeah, but it's not only for those records, even for the new records. You know, some of them are made of shit. They're not mastered, and they just go and put it from a digital file into the computer, and this is what these guys are playing. But you also want to see when the record's ending, or you can see the groove of the break coming up. And you can see all these things yeah. when you play. When you play a record, not when you play digital. But not when you play digital. You have to remember numbers. You know what? No, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't play music with numbers. I play music how I feel. I play right. music how I feel, not the numbers. I'll make an edit where I fucking want to make that edit. I I, I heard you play 
quite a few times and you put a story together and that's what's nice. You know, I mean, well, you try you could, to do it. That's exactly what playing music is like, Bacho. You want to present a story of music to people. You want right. to take them on a journey to go from, you know, exactly. low to little medium, high, high, high. And then when they get to the top, then you bring them back down again to relax and you bring them back up again. It's like going on. I look at it as like going on a roller coaster. You mm -hmm. bring them up, you bring them down. You bring them up, you bring them down. And it all depends on the type of music that you play. Right. You're, you're absolutely right. Because these guys think that playing in a roller ring, my crowd, they say, and, you know, it's not your crowd. It's the crowd that paid That's to right. get in. It's not your, exactly. And, you know, this is why all these house guys, I think, suck. Because all these guys, house music is the same beat. Right. It's like being in a fucking boat that doesn't go anywhere. I mean, the beats are on, but it's boring. And, and I try to tell them, there's a big difference playing music and it's on a website than when you play in live. It's totally different. When right. it's live, I mean, you have to do shit that you're not going to do on, on, a, on a podcast or on a radio thing. Well, you know, I, I see the numbers. I pass by these people that are playing on the computer, uh -huh. and they have lost a lot of their crowd because, one, the pandemic's over, and two, people don't want to hear that shit over the computer. But it's the you same know. music. You know, Botch, that's the problem. They play nothing different, nothing. Yeah. All, all this new shit sounds the same. I don't give a fuck what anybody tells me. Well, it does. It's just that you have to put it together in a proper way. Yeah, but most but guys don't know how to do it. They don't know how to do it, Botch. I think most of these kids that play music don't know what the fuck they're doing. That yeah. because they get people to dance, they think they know music. They're not fucking creating any music. They're just right. getting something, putting it on the fucking computer and saying, okay, let's go. I can't see it. I don't think you get the reaction that you could get by playing vinyl. I think vinyl is totally different. You get a different perspective. You get to see things. And you're right. You get to see the grooves. You know when the breaks are coming. You can change your mind. With digital, it's very difficult to change your mind. If I got 30 seconds left on a, on a record and I got to do digital, it's a fucking lot yeah. harder if I, if I can make that change than if I took a record out. Because many a times I had records flying all over the place. Yeah, me too. Because I wanted a different record to play. Right, and I still do that. That happens to me in my house, you know. At, when when you're playing music, like doing a set, like for an hour and a half, two hours, and then you know you you keep doing it, and then you know, and you know, when you have a lot of music, you could do a lot of things. This was part one of a two-part story of some of the adventures of Bacho Manguel. As you can hear, there are many parts of his life at Plato's. Some hilarious, others just part of him wanting to bring the best possible music and enjoyment to his customers. Due to the success and longevity of Plato's, I believe he succeeded. Well done, Botch. Looking forward to recording part two. Oh, what's he gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get out? What you gonna do? You wanna get out? What you gonna do? You wanna get out? What you gonna do? 
fellas and I is going to attempt to do this great disco smash that's done by Esther Phillips. We're going to do our version of it. We hope you dig it. What a difference a lay makes. Three hours of screwing. Without it, I was ruined. Until I met you. My yesterday was so dusty. My prick was so rusty. And now my ass is musty. From coming in you. What a difference a fuck makes. Three hours of eating. My prick, I'm no longer beating. Since I met you, everything is alright, dear. And your cunt is so tight, dear. What a difference a late make. And the difference is you. Shit that for me, son. Like right now. First song, Coolin' Again, with their classic Get Down On It. The title works for this podcast. You know what you were told when you were young? Too much sex makes you blind by Gary Glitter, who needs no explanations. Finally, a song that sums up the whole Plato experience. What a difference a lay makes by the incomparable Blowfly. I tried to end this podcast with some appropriate songs that Bacho picked, but I 
thought it told a story as to the club itself. Truly a one-of-a-kind adventure into the real world of sex, drugs, and music. Doubt if there ever will be a club like Plato's again. As always, thank you for listening, and remember to add your comments by emailing me on my website, blowingshitup at wfuradio at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. Good night.